the simplest commercial baking resource. Brought to you by Bakerpedia and hosted by Lynn Carson with a PhD in grain sciences. Sharing knowledge and helping you grow connections. You're listening to the Baked in Science Podcast. Welcome to Baked in Science. I am your host, Dr. Lin from Bakerpedia, the world's largest technical resource for baking. Before we start, I would like to thank all our sponsors. Support for these companies make Bakerpedia freely available to the baking community. Plus, they have some pretty great innovative products that help make your job easier. See our full list of partners by searching our sponsors showcase on bakerpedia.com. Okay, follow along as I learn about some of the amazing innovations right from the 2019 IBIE floor. Want to hear about thermal profiling? Here's Ray from Bakewatch. Welcome to the ECD Bake Watch booth at IBIE. And you guys know I am such a huge fan of thermal profiling. And Ray has a pedometer here to show you how to use it and to explain a little bit more on what thermal profiling is. All right. So, Ray, you're the expert. Right? And um, tell us uh, why is Bake Watch different in terms of thermal profiling? All right, well, thanks for coming to our stand today, uh, Lynn. Uh, uh, welcome to uh, the Bakerpedia audience here. Uh, we're here at the 2019 IBIE exhibiting our, our, uh, our equipment here. Uh, mole thermal profiling, uh, we're actually the in inventor of the genre, so uh, we definitely uh, know what we're doing and how to. Uh, 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 Create products that uh, are very robust and uh, and easy to use. Really, it's all about high yield profitability and improving quality. And uh, so we, we have many uh, uh, patented innovations, such as uh, breadometer, as Linda was referring to. Yep. Uh, as, as illustrated here, so uh, uh, six channels uh, in, in one single insertion means very easy training for the operator to uh, optimize uh, product quality, essentially. Uh, by, by having uh, five, five uh, consistently placed uh, thermocouples within the dough piece and a sensor that tells the software when you uh, enter and, and exit the oven. Uh, so therefore, we take that data and automatically uh, uh, analyze and calculate as percentages of bake time when uh, yeast kill, starch gelatinization, and, uh, and arrival actually occur with enough time remaining to create optimum crumb texture and moisture content for a long shelf life. I mean, it's everything you want uh, with a single uh, single profile. So, Ray, what is the biggest pushback when you talk to a baker about using thermal profiling? Well, you know, the uh, there, there are still people in that category, amazingly, that uh, are uh, come by and ask for a, for a, a, a thermometer <laughs> and uh, you're, you're seeing the whole picture uh, you know it, it's, it's a time temperature graph uh, uh, convective elements uh, uh, depending on the instrument that you're using with the mole and uh, you're replacing opinions with facts 
yep. and, and you're bringing uniformity and yep. quality to, to your production. It's, yeah, it's just a game basically uh, taking away from subjectivity on how it looks and how brown it is to objectivity on how you know it arrives and, and you know, the arrival numbers that's documented in the profiles that you have. Yeah. And, and with that data then, it's very actionable. Uh, now you're able to adjust zone temperatures and uh, conveyor speed and or time in the oven and uh, you, you tweak your process. Maybe you're reformulating for, uh, uh, for uh, uh, you know, free, free from, uh, what am I trying to say, clean label. Clean label, yeah. yeah. Uh, things like that. It just helps you so much. You're actually performing with, with the actual data. So. All right, so tell us a little bit more also on the food safety side of things. I mean, what does, you know, what, what does Bake Watch do for a kill step? Yes, in addition, uh, well, we've been an equipment supplier to the IB for, for, for some time, and uh, what we do is, uh, uh, in that realm, is uh, utilize the, uh, the kinetic uh, thermal resistance content, the constants that, uh, that they have developed and published, uh, into a, a drop list uh, automated piece that we call Bakewatch Kill Stuff Calculator. And uh, what that does is automates the data collection, the individual channel validation, and the, the report generation is such that uh, you're not exporting any data to Excel. It comes straight out of your mole and, and boom, you have your uh, audit proofing right then and there. So the productivity uh, for, to uh, achieve physical compliance is just, uh, you know, it's the best in the industry. Easy. Easy. Right. So. Yeah. All right. So, um... Do you have a product called um, Minimal, is that correct? Ah. And what does Minimal do? Well, uh, the proofer is not to be ignored, sir. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so uh, Minimal and Vapor Watch are two are relative humidity uh, products which uh, uh, allow you to uh, val validate the, uh, the settings, you know, that your uh, proofer is uh, set up properly. So you're delivering dough consistency to the oven uh, year, year round, mm -hmm. uh, despite what the, uh, the, the the environmental humidity changes are. So All right. uh, that's also a very important aspect uh, in, uh, in our product lineup. And every baker bakery should have this producing yeast of goods. Yeah. So if you guys have any more questions about questions about kill step, you know understanding your oven and humidity and your proofer and you know thermal profiling come and speak to Ray at 267 here at IBIE. Thank you very much. All right. Bye. Are you a fan of sourdough? Well, did you know that there is a sourdough library created by Parados tucked away in Sinvit? Well, here's Carl to tell you more. Welcome to the Parados Sourdough Library here at IBIE, Las Vegas, and look who I found, the sourdough librarian, the one and only in the world, and he brought a small library here, right, all the way from Belgium? Yeah, well, I didn't bring it. It's it's kind of a reproduction. We ah. don't we don't dare to travel with the sourdoughs <laughs> from the library. It's already complicated to travel with one sourdough, so we just made reproductions. Right. So, Carl, tell our our viewers what do you do? Oh, what do I do? Well, yes. I'm the sourdough librarian. We have for the moment in our sourdough library in Belgium. Uh, 
collection of 120 sourdoughs from 21 countries. Yes. So we have, of course, to take care of them. So yes. we have to feed them right. every two months. And besides that, well, I try to go on a quest for sourdough to discover sourdoughs in all the different parts of the world. We try to collect them, get them into the library, and at the same time, we try to make movies about them in order to show our followers or our customers how these sourdoughs are used in their place of origin. And then besides that, well, I, I'm, uh, I'm traveling in Belgium to take care of the Center for Bread Flavor where the sourdough library is located and where we take care of customer visits from, mm -hmm. from all over the world. We get customers there. So I, I show them there what we have in our library. And then besides that, I'm, I'm writing some articles for the press or, or I give trainings to... So, what do you find out about sourdoughs when you travel around the world? Well, I, I found out that a sourdough is always unique that there's many, many sourdoughs out there in the world. Some show similarities, but every sourdough is unique because every baker or every person who owns a sourdough is using its or her own recipe, a different kind of flour, and then probably the origin of the starter can be different. Some people use grapes or apple or juice or lemon peel or what there's thousand and one on, on our quest for sourdough website. What is, what is the weirdest starter you can have? Wow. <laughs> well, it depends how you look at weird. Okay. One that always surprised me right. uh, first was when I when I saw the one from Guadalajara, uh -huh. where the starter is refreshed with uh, flour, water, lime, eggs, and a little bit of salt and sugar. Really? Wow. That was quite quite uh, new, but then the the most crazy that I'm thinking of now is in Italy when they make starter for a panettone. Yeah. Uh, they go in the mountains. They collect cow cow shit that is dried, right. and that that is put in water. Okay. Yes. So you 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 you. You you de you rehydrate it in water. That water is filtered, uh -huh. and of course, in in shit there is uh, microorganisms, yes. and, and these and they are dried, but right. they survive. Oh, okay. And then and then, in the flour and water, they 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 are used as starter to oh, wow. make the sourdough. So actual gut bacteria. Yes, okay. yes, and it's okay because in a starter, once the pH goes below four point two the pathogens are killed. So you remain only with the, with the good microorganisms. Let me ask you, how often does the whole loaf of bread go down below 4.2? No, not the whole loaf, but okay. your starter, it's only the starter. Okay. So if your starter is below 4.2, then, then your sourdough is safe to use. Okay, I got it. And that you use with the flour and water, and then, then it's okay. Interesting. So we have little samples for uh, well, for people who are passing by and they want to, to eat something. So I will start with, with this one. This is a kind of baguettes that are made with uh, uh, one of our sourdough products. It's a living sourdough. So it's Adelia. It's called Sapore Adelia. And it is still um, containing the living microorganisms. It's liquid and it's based on wheat flour. Okay. 
then we have an, an, and in combination we have used our authentic durum mm -hmm. so it's based on the durum wheat flour from uh, Altamura in Italy and then we have another baguette where it's a combination with our soft grains inside so it's the pre-soaked grains that are increasing the nutritional uh, levels of the baguette itself so they are pre-soaked in order that you get a better freshness after baking and then the brioche type this is made again with the sapore adelia so the living active sourdough so tell me a little bit more about your living active sourdough how different is it from say like a dry sourdough okay okay so in order to make a dry sourdough you need to make a living liquid sourdough so we always when we produce that sourdough well it's the the purest form of the sourdough we can make so whenever the sourdough is fermented so we take flour wheat flour in this case water and a selection of microorganisms that we that company know how which ones we use but and then we ferment depending on what type of sourdough it can go between uh, 36 and 48 hours once all the parameters that we are looking for are okay then we cool down the temperature to four degrees Celsius. I don't know in Fahrenheit how much that is, but it's it's fridge temperature. And then and then the sourdough is packed and stored. Okay. And the logistics have to happen refrigerated. That is living sourdough. That's like how if you have a sourdough that you maintain, that's you can compare it to that. So it's actually is it more flavorful than a powdered sourdough? Well, well, I would not say it's more flavorful. The flavor will be different in that way that you have all the, all the components of that sourdough, that fermentation that you've made, are still present in that sourdough. Now, if that sourdough, we turn that into a powder sourdough, of course, you have volatile components that will evaporate. They will, they will be lost. Mm -hmm. But thanks to the drying process, you will compensate that with other flavor components by by drying and if we dry on a drum you get more roasted or toasted flavors okay. Interesting. but of course when you dry as such you don't have the activity and you 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 cannot count on the the dried sourdough powder to give you fermentation power or have lactic acid bacteria fermentation. That's true, that's true. So as a sourdough librarian, what next for you? What's, what's your next journey? Uh, my next journey is in a couple of uh, weeks. I will be uh, somewhere mid-October, I go to Turkey. So we have just collected uh, five or six sourdoughs from Turkey. Mm -hmm. And I will go with my cameraman and we will, we will try to make a movie about the Turkish Turkish sourdoughs. We found a couple of them at the Black Sea in Trabzon and then some in Izmir but there is more a chickpea fermentation sourdough mm -hmm. and then we found some some a bit well in Istanbul and then a bit more in the center right. of Turkey. Well follow Carl on LinkedIn and what other platforms do you use? Uh, I'm on uh, Instagram as the sourdough librarian and then on Facebook with a page called the quest for sourdough. Yes all right follow Carl guys. Thank you bye. Up next, cake sprinkles that don't melt during the baking process. Here's Andrew from Belcam. Welcome to the Belcam booth. 
So, um, these caught my eye, what we call the on-trend unicorn cakes. Look at this, ladies and gentlemen. How often do you bake your sprinkles in there and it all gets all smooshed and blended together? You can never get this kind of color in there. So, uh, this caught my eye. I stopped by Belkem's uh, booth and uh, this is Andrew. Andrew? Hey, what do you do at I'm, So I'm the technical sales manager for North America for Balchem. So I promote our end caps and inclusion side of the business. So the product, Lynn, that you were talking about, this is actually using some of our new blending technology. Oh. So we can take any of our inclusions. We went with, with, uh, with Unicorn on this one at the guidance of my marketing team and my five and a half year old daughter. <laughs> Um, rainbows and mermaids, I think, were also proposed. Right, um, right. But this is taking a look at some of our new uh, blending technology for inclusions, which enable us to put multiple colored items into something like this. Uh, means that we can be on trend with pieces, uh, new colors, new ideas. The cool thing about our inclusions is, well, we can make them any color people want, uh, but there's no bleeding, there's no loss of color through the product. Oh, nice close up. So th this is the product that comes in nugget form, which you can see here. We also have it in. Yeah, we do it in flake sizes as well. So yeah, when you want that visual appeal, and you know, this is this is kind of really exemplifying it with the multiple colors and the rainbow piece so right here. Like why different sizes? Well, so the different sizes, depending on what impact you're looking for with the product. If you're looking to have a muffin where you want piece impact you know, throughout, it's almost like replicate like you would get with blueberries or something like that. Or if you want something that has a really, almost like waterfall effect coming through in terms of the visual, the flavor delivery. So it really customizes it. So the baker, customers can really do what they want with it. So for this particular particle size, which one did you use? Um, so that one I think is using the small nuggets. Um, yep, so that way we get it nicely dispersed throughout, we get really nice impact. The cool thing about these pieces is you know, we don't lose any color, there's no bleeding through. So you can see this is just a, a sponge cake recipe that we did here, and the color stays where we put it, which is fantastic. What do you have there? Um, so the other thing, this I is... This uh, yes, yes you can. Um, so the other piece we have here is again kind of a continuation with our inclusions and what else we do. This is a key lime cookie. So we do feature flavors a couple of times a year. We do a spring, we do a fall. And this is one of the more recent ones that we did and everything's on balchem.com on the website with all the details. Um, so this is using our inclusions for a key lime flavor. So nice hit of lime flavor. It's just a sugar cookie, basically. It's a, it's a dropping component that gives you the color, it gives you the flavor uh, that you'd want on something like this. Great for limited time offerings, you know, rapid development cycles, turnarounds, things like that. Okay, um, so that's actually using, I think that's a regular flake, so that's a larger piece. So this is almost like, you know, think about when you make a chocolate chip cookie. You want the big pieces of chocolate chips in there to get that nice visual, to get that nice flavor burst. That's exactly what we've done here. So we're trying to replicate that to get the flavor burst coming through. And as I say, just a sugar cookie, all the flavor, all the visuals coming from, uh, coming from the lime. Or key lime right? That's what we were hoping for. Very nice, you have the visual effect of the color and the flavor as well usually when you put flavor solutions in baked product the flavor is not as strong yeah and this is because of the encapsulation 
Yeah, so th this, is, this is kind of a rudimentary encapsulation. I mean, we have our core business, which is actually encapsulation of preservation system, acids, leavening systems. This is almost a rudimentary version because it's, it's, it's a lipid-based inclusion. So we're using fat in there to really suspend the flavors, the color, and all those pieces. That's part of what makes it stay where we put it during the bake cycle. And it also means you can get some really great flavors coming through, a great release. You know, it's, it's a low temperature process that it goes through for making it so we don't get flash off of flavors, pieces like that. So when you bite into it, you really Really get that big impactful note. I don't know who your food cam food chemist sensory person is, but this is amazing. The last one I had, which was the wedding cake, was amazing. So we the, the, the what the elderberry. It, it was the was the elderflower lemon. Yes, it, that was it. We talked about the royal wedding. Right, right, yep. right, right. So we have we are very that was lucky. So good. We have an amazing applications team. We have an amazing marketing team that comes up with these ideas. You know, these are all things that you know, we develop these, we show them to customers. Some customers take them as is and they launch them out and, and they do, do limited time offerings or they put them as main staple things. Or a customer comes back and say, hey, wouldn't it be great to now have a pineapple version or a coconut note to really build on the tropical pieces. You guys had the time over to Valcans, believe it, 46.82 to try this pineapple cookies. They are a pillar. <laughs> awesome. So good. Um, so the other things that we've got up here, we've got our um, bake stable fruit fillings. So these are some new products that we launched about a year ago now, kind of still in the early stages uh, with what comes out, but you know, some core fruit fillings, um, no high fructose corn syrup, natural colors, natural flavors, designed to go into filled bakery items. So you're not going to have cineresis, you're not going to have loss, it's not going to flow out during baking. And no again, bake out. No bake That's out. That's a huge issue. Really, really important. So giving yeah. great flavor burst, great integrity, and looking very much at, at the premium side in terms of the flavors that we're using, the components that we're using mm -hmm, to really mm -hmm. give impactful, fresh flavors. So right. something really, really good fun. Um, yeah. And then the other piece that we have is just some demonstrations regarding our encapsulation technology. I mean, you mentioned oh, encapsulation, cool. talking about the inclusions, but this is our, our, our go-to product. I mean, this is what Balchem is, is known for. This okay. is what this division is founded on. It's our encapsulation of our preservatives, our acids and our leavening systems. So cool. we've got tons of information if people want to stop by. Right, and talk to you, the expert. I I, I wouldn't yes. say I'm an expert, yes, Lynn, but I, I know a thing or you two. You know more than me. And I have a wonderful support crew to help me, so yeah. yeah. Okay, awesome. well, join them here at Balcom and eat cookies and learn about shelf life, all right? <laughs> awesome, thanks guys. Bye. And now, we're gonna hear from Matt about Delaval's amazing effort in reducing sodium in your bakery product. We are live here at the Delaval Business Partners booth. Uh, what is your booth number? 727. Um, I'm gonna talk to Matt today about sodium reduction. Tell me why sodium reduction is so difficult to do, Matt. Well, in a lot of a lot of food products, sodium is there just to make the product taste good. Um, in a baked good, okay, that's important, but it's actually got a more important function in help managing the gluten network, which is the primary determiner of the texture of a baked good. So you can't just throw too much sodium in or take too much sodium out with having, without having really serious problems with your baked good. So what happens if, if I just say, um, cut the, take all the salt out yep. and put some kind of salt replacer in a bread formulation? Uh, you won't get the network, you won't get the structure, and you'll get a really flat piece of bread that doesn't taste very good. 
Okay, so what do you have for a solution for that? So we've got a very interesting technology. It has uh, uh, two functionalities that kind of work in opposition. So we are able to fortify baked goods with calcium and when you introduce calcium into a baked good, you're actually doing the job that the sodium does. So as we uh, incorporate calcium carbonate through a, a patented formulation process, we can drop the sodium level simultaneously. Really? So if you are interested in a calcium claim, you can use the technology. If you're interested in a sodium reduction, you can use the technology. And if you want to do both simultaneously, you can use that same technology. So not only do you take the cal uh, the sodium out, you also put in the also calcium. So this calcium. calcium ion really does the same thing as sodium ions? It does. Oh, it does. interesting. It functions the same way in interacting with the gluten network. Right. So you can reduce sodium and end up with exactly the same texture and structure in your baked So food. let me get this right. Um, take out the three, uh, sorry, one and a half percent salt and put in one and a half percent calcium carbonate technology that you have or it's not exactly a one-to-one -one replacement but 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 close enough. close enough close okay enough. okay now there is one further step that you have to go through um, when you reducing the sodium you are impacting the flavor that comes with sodium that's what so I was there's gonna some say additional yeah. formulation work that needs to be done to compensate for that so you don't have a problem with the structure of the bread, but you still have to manage the flavor. And, you, and there are varieties of ways of doing that with potassium chloride. Uh, there are other, other materials out there. And that's something that we would probably want to work with a finished product company to fine tune. Right, because I, I, I've tasted potassium chloride before. Yes. And it's not like the most attractive thing no, in the world. it's not. So, yeah. so it is a two-edged two-edged problem right but traditionally it's been managing the structure that is the part that folks can't solve all right and that's and that's the technology we're bringing to the table that's some amazing technology Matt cool so um, come to the Delavo partners uh, booth and talk to this guy Matt because he knows everything about sodium reduction all right thanks Lynn bye did you know that a dash of crispy onion immediately changes the taste profile of your baked product Here's Raja to tell you more. Today we have Raja from Top Tastes. And how are you? I'm good. And yourself? I'm good. You must be exhausted traveling from all that way. It's okay. No problem. We are happy to start at IBIE. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Raja, tell our um, viewers what you have here. Yeah. We are a producer of crispy onions, an ingredient for the bread industry, bread and pizza yep. products. Yeah. Uh, this is a natural product made from fresh onions and um, uh, giving a flavor uh, and extra texture to your uh, products. So, um, you know, fried onions, everybody has fried onions. What makes yours different? Yes, ours is uh, non-GMO, it's uh, also a clean label. Uh, and we also offer uh, organic one and gluten-free uh, crispy onion. Right, and you actually grow your own onions, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So we, to have the, the right product, we grow our own onions and uh, process everything. So from uh, the seed uh, to the product at the customer, uh, we do everything by ourselves. Neat. And um, what? Tell me more a little bit onions about onions. I mean, you harvest them once a year. Yes. 
But you produce them all throughout the whole year. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, how do you do that? Uh, we have special storage uh, to keep all the onions well for the whole year. Uh, so that's why we can have the best quality. So you have that many onions? Yes, yeah. Uh, Holland is the biggest exporter of onions in the world and second largest grower really? after India. So we wow. have a lot of raw material. Neat, neat. So uh, but what can people expect when they come here? Would they get any kind of uh, um, advice from you on how to use onions? Yeah, yeah of course. So uh, when they come to our booth, uh, they can have a sample of the product. I explain exactly how you can use the product, uh, why you, you should you or let's say start to use you know uh, to be innovative in the market right here in the United States so I uh, welcome everybody and hope everybody can uh, have a look at our product at this show great great so come on over to 1273 and talk to Roger about crispy onions all right exactly. thank you thank, thank you, very you. Much. is organic flour too expensive for you but you're not ready to go for conventional flour yet well, have you considered sustainable flour? Here's Chafik to speak more on this topic. Welcome to the Solange's Mill here at IBIE, booth 667. Um, we have an interesting line of products here. And uh, let's have Chafik talk about it. Welcome, Chafik. Welcome. Yeah. I thank you for visiting us. Tell us a little bit more about Solange's Mail. Yeah, Solange's Mail is a project started in 2006. Uh-huh. And uh, the, we started uh, using weeds uh, for, uh, from the farmers that they were uh, transitioning from conventional to uh, organic. And uh, we create a program called Sustainable Farming. For the, the purpose of the sustainable farming program is to reduce all the chemical uh, uh, application in the field and also there is some uh, uh, chemicals that we don't want to find in our weeds. It's like the glyphosate. Uh, that's why we, uh, we can certify that our product is uh, glyphosate free. Okay, so I have a baker that is switching over, that's looking to switch over um, from organic flour mm -hmm. um, because they believe that um, organic flour is getting too expensive. And what you're saying that is instead of conventional uh, flour, they can actually switch from organic to what do you call your product? Yeah, it's a it's a sustainable farming. Sustainable farming, farming flour. Yeah. Okay. Got uh, it. The first advantage of that is the price. Like okay. the, the the organic, it's uh, more expensive. Right. But with our uh, flour, we can uh, guarantee there is no uh, harmful chemicals there. Uh, it starts with the the usage of uh, seeds. The seeds doesn't have to be uh, treated with the uh, insecticides. I see. And also, also uh, we, we, we don't uh, let our farmers apply the glyphosate, as I mentioned before. So let me ask you something. Uh -huh. If you don't apply glyphosate, what do you use in place so, of that? We just, just let the weed dry out naturally because the application of glyphosate uh, it's done beca because the farmers want to dry out the, the, the wheat quickly and uh, we, we don't, there is no need to apply glyphosate. Right. 
that okay, I got you. yeah yeah that's right. because we let the we let the 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 maturation uh, to so work. do you even apply glyphosate during the growing process at all no, not at all really yeah no then all. how do you keep the weeds away actually uh, you you select varieties that's oh, one see. one of okay. uh, the thing that we do we select our own varieties and also uh, recently we start using winter weeds and winter weeds they they uh, they uh, they don't let the weeds uh, grow in the field because winter wheat you seed it in uh, uh, in autumn and in spring they start growing and uh, there is like uh, they 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 go with in competition with the weeds and bef because they already grown yeah. that means it takes more place more, and right. there is no weeds in the field so they outgrow the weed the exactly. weeds in the yeah. wheat field exactly interesting exactly so but my perception of winter wheat is it is less uh, lesser in protein quality and quantity how do you you yeah. know, how do you change that perception? There's a lot of research done with the, with the, some uh, universities and also uh, with breeders to select a very good uh, varieties that they have uh, a very good quality of, uh, of, of, uh, of gluten. Even though uh, this, those varieties are, uh, they, they, uh, they, uh, they show a very low protein level but the quality of protein is very good, okay. and uh, we we are uh, we, in our lab. We uh, we um, we select varieties based on the gluten quality, not on the, the oh. protein okay. level. Okay, good. And good. also uh, uh, by baking the winter wheats, there is a lot of advantage working with. That's why we use that for our uh, in our recipes, uh, especially for artisanal bread and also long fermentation. Uh, 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 process, baking process. Very interesting. You seem to have all the answers for the switchover. Yeah. I'm concerned, but you seem to have all the answers. So, if you have any more questions on switching from organic flour to a sustainable farming uh, practice kind of flour, um, and you're concerned about the pesticides, you're concerned about everything else, come and see Chaffik. He can really explain it to you. Okay. All Thank right, you. Thank Boo six six seven, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it, and that's just part one. Check out the podcast notes for more information on the products and equipment mentioned. Till the next episode, bakers. <laughs>